0: On today's podcast, we discuss how transparency could be beneficial, whether tiny robot cameras will ruin the world, and who really wins the Monetary Olympics. Welcome to the 16th episode, season two, episode four. Uh, we are your hosts, Hans and Frank, and if you'd like to join the conversation, send us your tweets, Sandoon Podcast, or email talk at org. So welcome, Frank. How's it going?
1: Uh, things are pretty good. From my point of view, during the last episode, you were down under. Are you still there?
0: I am still in Sydney and enjoying the nice uh, warm weather. I'm assuming it's a little colder where you are. Yeah, we got a foot of snow on the ground. Oh, that's that's more snow than we have here. <laughs> we have sand at the beach. But uh, I will be heading back to the Northern Hemisphere imminently and uh, we'll be back on, on your side of the world. Very cool. Make sure you get
1: some pictures of dunes if you can. Wink, wink.
0: Ah, yes. I actually did discuss that with one of my friends who is a professional photographer, and uh, he might help us out if I push him hard enough.
1: So what else is going on?
0: Um, Well, let's see. As I'm traveling, I am still reading books. Uh, I've finished Longitude, uh, which I think I discussed last time was a really interesting look at the invention of the first chronometers, which help determine where you are in the world, which is appropriate given how far away I am. Uh, and it helped you know, the various travelers who discovered Australia and so, so that I thought that was kind of appropriate to finish that book here in Australia. Uh, and as I discussed, I think last time, I always thought that every once in a while, technology or society has these challenges and trying to figure out where you are on earth becomes really important uh, as you're navigating ships around the world. And, uh, you know, even today when we're looking at GPS technology, uh, that's all time-based. So that was the ultimate solution to figuring out where you are. So I always thought that was kind of cool. And I think today we also face other societal challenges and they take a while to solve. And some people propose really wacky, crazy ideas and other people come up with stuff. And then all of a sudden after enough review, peer review, and so on there, uh, we solve these problems. So I read, uh, or finished longitude. Uh, so that was a cool book. I'd highly recommend that to kind of get a picture of what life was like in the, the olden days. And, uh, I've kicked off reading all systems, Red, uh, the murder bot diaries. And that is a science fiction book about the future of how humans will go into the solar system and how robots uh, will help contribute to human endeavors. Uh, So, so far, that's a pretty fascinating read. And I think I have to buy like the other four books in order to complete the whole series, but uh, the first one's already looking pretty good. How how have you, have you been doing any reading?
1: I did start to listen to the audio book that I believe Stephen Fry just put out, which was kind of a retelling of um, the Greek creation myths, you know, from the very beginning of time, um, which is actually proving to be kind of interesting because I haven't studied any of that stuff do I think, before college. And is this like course,
0: Odysseus or is that different? It, no,
1: this is from the very beginning. So, you know, when, when the original gods were created mm-hmm. and all of their offspring, and it gets redacted a lot, the kind of the versions that we know. The gods' names being in Greek and having Roman counterparts, uh, you can find them in all kinds of, you know, vocabulary words that we have today. Uh, I also jumped into doing my income taxes just because I decided as soon as I thought of something, I was just going to do it. I've been trying to actually, I did, you know, full disclosure, make some crypto trades last year. So I've been trying to do that paperwork by hand just so I understood it because I know there are are services you can pay 50 bucks to and they'll go out and read all your little ledgers and, you know, give you the form all completed.
0: So you had to do some accounting there. That's That sounds like not so much fun.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I'm doing is I was studying uh, potentially making a card deck of these. I've seen a few of them around, but I'd never liked any of the ones that I saw, which was kind of like you make a playing card deck and on each card is one of the the biases or effects um, of in human consciousness, like, you know, the survivorship bias or, you know, the attribution bias or, you know, all the, the confirmation bias that, we tend to put more weight on things that confirm our view of the world. And all of these you know, biases and fallacies are things we're supposed to kind of watch out for if we want to be kind of even-handedly looking at reality. Uh, and I haven't found a deck that I like yet or didn't cost like $200. I can't believe what some of these things cost. So I figure if somebody can get a Kickstarter together to do that, maybe I should
0: too. Oh, well, that sounds cool. Well, uh, I think one of the things uh, we... Did want to talk about uh, today on the episode is the benefits of transparency. I also have some questions about surveillance, so um, I guess we'll we'll get it right into it, and uh, you can uh, tell us how much money you made off crypto later. But uh, I have been thinking a lot, as we have been discussing over the last fifteen episodes, about our transparency ideas that. I often think a great deal about like the negatives or something like, you know, well, why won't this work? Because it's really easy to always be critical and try to figure out, hey, how do you do, you know, what's the bad stuff that could happen in order to avoid the 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 downsides of that. But I figured that, you know, there is potential for if companies act more transparently, that it helps grow the overall industry um, because people kind of know what other people are up to. Um, Now, like I said, it's very easy to say, hey, if I know what product you're looking to build, like, you know, a card game uh, or a deck of cards, uh, then I could be like, oh, I'm going to try to do it before you do. And I'm not suggesting that human nature is any different now than it has ever been, uh, that that won't be that way in the future. But I think that if one company focuses on a set of products and another company focuses on a compatible set of products that's complementary, it might actually be really useful from a partnership standpoint for those companies to kind of know what their product roadmaps are uh, to a detail and then know kind of where delays are. Uh, Because I think you see that within the open source community as people build various open source products, they know what product is going to be worked on, where the focus is, and uh, it also would be easier to know, like, hey, this company is not focusing on this particular area, and there's an opportunity to go do some work there. So I think collaboration uh, among transparent companies could actually be quite helpful and useful. And I don't know, do you think I'm being too optimistic? Or should we be a little bit optimistic?
1: I think that it would enable people to find new ways to work together. It would Lend itself very well to discovery, whereas right now, if you want to get together with complementary firms, you, there's there's no easy way to do that. You know, somebody who complements your line of business or complements your products or services or things like that, you got to do a lot of legwork um, to find and vet companies that are doing that sort of thing. So, I think that's a positive.
0: In net, do you think there's more positives or negatives, or is it hard to really know at this point?
1: Well, I think it's, and I don't have a playing card for this one. It's that kind of paradox where it's almost like the self-driving car paradox. If they were all self-driving, like tomorrow, it would work great. But if you start off with one that has to exist with normal cars, and then two, and then 10 and whatever, it's that transition time that is where everything seems to be incompatible. I think if governance were geared to do it, as a matter of necessity. I think the positives would definitely outweigh the negatives because almost all the negatives you've mentioned and I think we've come up with have either been limitations of process, meaning oh we're going to have to use some technology to get this to work, or limitations of oh we're afraid we're going to give away some kind of secret that is going to hurt our business, right? So if there's already a framework around it and everyone's doing it the same way, then you know there is no Unfair advantage to one over the other. I think the trick is how do you lay those that framework in without putting the transparent companies at a greater risk?
0: Interesting. So the electric car analogy is actually pretty interesting because even today we, the majority of cars still are not transparent. Uh, what am I going to say? Uh, they're not uh, electric, but uh, well, autonomous. Well, or, or autonomous, yeah, yeah. So they're- uh, They don't have definitely... to be electric. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think there's two analogies there, right? There's both the moving cars to electric and using cars to autonomous driving mode. But I think either one of those analogies uh, is is pretty appropriate. Okay. Well, I think we'll keep thinking about that. I think there are some big benefits and whether or not they they can be properly implemented by various companies like ours, we'll have to see. Uh, Okay, next thing I wanted to discuss was, I almost wonder whether or not transparency is kind of inevitable. And let me give you the slightly futuristic nightmare scenario. Uh, Cameras get smaller and smaller and smaller. Little flying drone technology goes from being purely a military fantasy into a reality where Everybody and everyone has access to little miniature flying bugs that can go into other people's houses and spy on them. And it's a terrifying potential future. But I think if that happens, then privacy kind of goes away and we have to start thinking about our lives a whole lot different or. I think you ha- you were suggesting this has more to do with surveillance, right?
1: But what you're talking about is we have tiny devices with that can surveil sound and infrared and regular video. Storage is cheap. You know, you can just archive everything. AI is cheap. You can create transcripts and you know learn about everybody. I think that kind of active surveillance is kind of a different. Quantity. Although the interesting part is, what is the moral difference between an organization that is surveilling you that you don't know about versus the organization that is surveilling you that tells you it's surveilling you? I mean, obviously, in either way, the privacy ramifications are frightening. And my concern, though, and this is the reason I asked the question, is would governments and companies try to make the argument that, well, at least we're telling you what we're doing? That must make it okay.
0: So going to our favorite social media platform, them watching us and then targeting advertising and having other companies like Cambridge Analytica do weird stuff to us is startling because we didn't know about it. Now that we know about it, and they might just go out and say, hey, look, this is what we're doing to you. Um, Will we feel any different about it?
1: It's possible that we get used to it. They also give us an alleged opt-out for it. I You know, I don't know if it really (laughs) See the Cambridge Analytica stuff was them using surprisingly loose amount of information that Facebook was leaking out to do weird things. And that's another thing is that these platforms collect an enormous amount of data, but they just don't, at least for the people who are buying it, they're not very discriminant about the data they give out and how much you can actually go and get. It was kind of on the honor system. Right? You, you were only supposed to use so much. You're only supposed to hit the API so often. And a lot of these bad actors were abusing what they were given. Now, you can blame the people who did it, which that's what the social media platforms did. Or you can blame the platforms. These are the smartest people on the planet, allegedly. They're the best at getting you to click on a button. So why didn't they think of any of this ahead of time? That, that's that's my question.
0: Yeah, I mean, most likely they're upset that companies like Cambridge Analytica did what they did, to which ultimately ruined their reputation. But it does make me wonder whether or not they're upset that those companies took advantage of the information they were gathering, whether they thought maybe we should have thought of that first. But anyway, that's maybe a little bit conspiratorial.
1: No, their reputation was going to suffer anyway.
0: Right. Okay. So we're not sure then if the surveillance state or the private surveillance industry will be inevitable in terms of how we come for the future. But it's different from transparency because transparency is voluntary, whereas the other aspect is definitely spying, which you know certainly companies will do and so on. But yeah. Well,
1: the one thing I want to bring up here is that if transparency is very well defined and there's very bright lines around what that means for an individual, an organization, a government, you know, a group, a union, you know, a religion, whatever. If those lines are drawn early enough and strong enough, then surveillance has a problem credibly getting around them, right? There are always going to be people spying, right? But how much spying is done out in the open, I think is what the availability of technology influences. If the CIA wanted to, you know, collect all kinds of information about somebody, you know, they didn't need to wait for miniaturization and the cloud and AI and everything else. Um, they had giant listening stuff 25 years ago. It's the democratization of spy tools, I think, that would create an enormous amount of surveillance, but stepping in ahead of time and saying, okay, here's where the lines are, because we want a transparent world, but there's going to be limits. I think that's where part of kind of claiming the future comes from. At least that's part of
0: why I'm here on the podcast. Yeah, well, we definitely do want to make our our little dent in the universe there. So if we are looking at uh, different new things happening in terms of privacy, uh, I did see an article that, I I, know, wait, you had forwarded it to me, which is that they at the Olympics, the uh, Chinese government is using the digital one. Uh, so, but not entirely, right? No,
1: I, I had originally heard they were going to make it, that was going to be the only thing. And actually, it's still not quite ready. They this is kind of like minimum viable product is what's getting deployed at the Olympics. And the article will be in the, our episode notes. But they've outfitted everybody around the Olympics with readers for this thing. There's like a bracelet you can buy that has a chip and you can get cards and everything else. And it's not crypto, but it is a digital currency, which, I mean, there's a line between those. Digital currencies have been kicked around as an idea for a lot longer than crypto has. But the idea is that China has a direct view of everything that goes on with the digital one. So the only thing you can spend is cash, these digital one, or I think what kind of got in the way of their plans of making this default at the Olympics was Visa was in the back of the room and probably like cleared their throat and said, uh, you know, we kind of are underwriting this whole Olympics thing. So you're going to take Visa cards too, right? So (laughs) however, no, no, uh, no WeChat pay, no Alipay, none of the big Chinese... Uh, money moving services—they're banned. Wow. That will will not be part of how you pay for things at, at the Olympics.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Well, I guess what they—if you do use the digital one, then the government makes no claims of any type of privacy around that, right? They know what you're if you're buying twelve Coca Colas or some souvenir thing, right?
1: Yeah, and I think they might actually. I'm pretty sure they probably come out and said it. They're probably pretty proud of it too, because in China, there's just this expectation. Again, I think I've said it before that um, people in the West are like, oh, you know, that's a Chinese company. They're they're probably telling everything to the government. And it's like, what do you mean probably? There's somebody embedded in the company from the government. That's how Chinese companies work. It's just normal that there are party members there to make sure that things that need to get to the government, get to the government and that everyone's towing the line.
0: That's... Wild. I guess <laughs> I'm. I'm now wondering <laughs> whether or not the government being transparent about what they do is better than what happens in the West, where there's a super amount of secrecy <laughs> about what the government is doing, and we're just sort of like guessing that they're spying on everything we do,
1: or even one part of the government not knowing what the other one is
0: doing. And that indeed is a problem as well. Well, we also found out this week that uh, Linus Torvalds, the creator of Linux claims to now be the creator of Bitcoin. I think that was a joke, but he popped something into one of the source code releases and everybody on the internet went all fluttery.
1: It's what everyone wants to know who Satoshi really is.
0: The interesting thing I thought is that Linus had created Git as well as Linux. And so he's got a ton of cred in terms of technology. So you could think maybe he did it, but I don't think he's come out and actually said it. I think he was just messing with, with people.
1: Well, I think the one thing about whoever Satoshi really is, is, there, is obviously they had to be you know super smart mathematically and on paper to come up with that kind of arrangement. Although there had been a legitimate line of thought in mathematics and computer science for a while. Um, proof of work was not new when it came out in the paper, but his application was new. But I think it's somebody who also had to have a pretty high emotional intelligence as well, who understood that if this person were to be known to the world, it would basically devalue the currency. The secrecy, Uh, I think, is something that really helped.
0: That is an interesting observation. So what you're suggesting is if he or she had said here's who i am then everyone would be like oh well that person is just trying to do this thing and that reduces its credibility
1: well yeah then there's a person who is the whale of all whales because there's an enormous amount of coins that are ostensibly to satoshi and the idea is no no one can ever touch those coins because if anyone touches those coins it breaks the whole system
0: interesting well no matter what ends up happening with that particular token system it is an interesting discussion of almost the sociology and psychology of the way we think about value and, and money right the the message
1: resonated with people around that time being very disillusioned with the financial markets as they were 2008 was all a bunch of bad decisions by people who should have known better So it kind of exposed the whole thing as a big game.
0: Well, and now we've got the Chinese digital currency going into the Olympics. And uh, (laughs) we'll see where that goes. All right. Well, uh, we're at the end of our show. Uh, Anything else, Frank, that I've forgotten?
1: No, I'm just wondering if I should do a Kickstarter for playing cards around biases and errors, or if I should do one just around transparency for the both of us.
0: Mm. We need some merch. That's true. Yeah, we need... need people who, are, <laughs> who want to buy stuff.
1: Maybe if we could put together something where we have dozens and dozens of dimensions of transparency.
0: Who knows? Ah, huh, interesting. Well, maybe it could be a jump to conclusions, Matt. There you go. All right. There's your random reference to office space. All right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for listening. And feel free to tweet us, send you a, send you a podcast. And... Talk at sandu.org if you want to email us. And next week we'll be back and talk about some other transparent stuff. Okay.
1: All right. Awesome. Everyone stay cold or warm as appropriate. The information provided in this podcast is not intended to constitute legal, financial, health, mixological, or spiritual advice. All content is for entertainment purposes only. Listeners should contact their attorney, financial advisor, doctor, bartender or guru respectively to obtain advice regarding particular life matters. None of this is our fault. No animals were injured in the making of this podcast, although Frank hit Hans in the head. With a typewriter, it is a story for another time.